When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish. The podcast whose only fluff piece is my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. We're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And is is it like fluffing? Like like the fluffers in porn? Yeah, that's the joke I was making. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. All right. Uh, I like your cum mug. Um, oh, yeah. thank you. Me too. I use this more often than just about any other mug. That should be my gayest. Yeah, just on principle. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so uh, today we are going to talk about queer cinema. The people yeah. have spoken. They voted. Here we are. God, you're I man, this is it's not been going well in the voting polls. The the exit polls have not been favoring me. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was your submission and uh you're keeping on your winning streak yeah i'm trying to figure out the 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 proper amount of gloating um (laughs) which you know i mean when you win it's up to you to decide the proper amount is that true i don't want to be an asshole i mean i'm 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 dominating your ass kyle so wow well (laughs) don't turn me on so early in the morning because that's how daddy rolls um (laughs) yeah uh uh, we're going to talk about queer cinema, but first, uh, but first. feedback and corrections. Man, um, y'all had some feelings about the word queer. That's for damn yeah, sure. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Thank you for anyone who shares their stories or opinions. It was, uh, oh, yeah, got a lot of feedback. The one that I wanted to read is an email we got, uh, and mm-hmm. we'll jump into it. Good day. Good day. Hello. <laughs> I'm enjoying the current episode subject quite a bit, especially as a queer identifying person. Every journey is a bit different, but here's why that adjective works for me. For most of my life, I identified as a gay male. I've gotten older, though, and our language has evolved. There's been a tendency to make things more and more specific. But there's a lot of information and explanation I don't necessarily want to share with casual acquaintances, including my in-life discovery that I'm intersex. This latent life revelation came around the same time I realized I am a a gender and found out some early life surgeries my family had performed on me were sexual confirmation surgeries. Mm. This is a controversial and charged topic even within the more enlightened LGBT plus spectrums and frankly invites a lot of conversations I don't want to engage in with the random person at a public event. For me, queer works best then for a lot of reasons. It doesn't invite a lot of conversation generally. It covers everything from sexual identity to gender identity to social perspective. I'm 47, and my relationship to queerness goes back to those self-identifying heroes of mine who were politically advocating for our rights in the 80s and 90s. I respect others' wishes to be named and seen, how they prefer to be labeled, but for me, it's an adjective that unifies all non-majority conforming people without pushing the rights of one group over another. And more to the point, it's a reminder to continue the work of my predecessors to advocate for a world where differences are celebrated and not feared. Anyway, I love the show and have only the best wishes for your podcast family. Thanks, Lael. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lael. If that's how you say your name, I'm saying I'm taking a real big swing. But um, thank you for writing in and for the story. And uh, we got lots of people explaining why they uh, identified. And, and some people uh, like Lael were like, I, I just don't want to get into it. And, and I've seen this before, too, of some people talking about like I'm a bisexual leaning towards more men and I identify as, uh, you know, my, but romantically interested in this and my gender identity is, and then when they talk to people outside the community, they're like, I'm gay. I'm a gay man. (laughs) Like, you know, I just like you, when you're in the community, you, you can have a little, it's a little bit safe. It's not always completely safe depending on the identity, but it should be a little bit safer to be able to like, here's all the things that I want to explain about my identity and to outside people. They would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So you're just yeah. like, I, yeah. I'm just gay for you. I'm, I'm just gay and you can move on. Yeah. 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 It a little bit reminds me of like, like when you, when you said you wanted to start using he, they pronouns and like kind of wondering if like, your your okayness with he is 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 because just like it's just easier like <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah i don't know i it's so hard to tell what's uh what about gender is trained into you and i as hmm. someone who am very sensitive to outsiders perspectives and will just believe everyone else before myself and trust what everyone else thinks before i will think about what i care or want and i don't mm-hmm. so i don't know how much of it is just like oh yeah, that's that's the right thing that you've told me. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Thank you for all the feedback, every everyone, and um, I, everybody, almost everybody has been super respectful, which is great. I appreciate that. Oh, almost everybody is. Th- are there stories I want to hear about later? Off the I will, mic. I will off pod tell you a story. <gasps> oh, we have <laughs> some shitty listeners. <laughs> if you're wondering if it's you. It's you. Um, and I actually think to, I'm, I, although you dominated my ass, as you put it, uh, yeah. I am excited. That to, I, I, I actually think this is a very fitting conversation to have that we're talking about queer cinema, but we'll start to illuminate the differences between gay and queer because like, why not gay cinema? Well, I, I think, I think we'll get into that. Yeah, I think we will too. Uh, but first, uh, here's the news. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News, news, news. News the first. Kyle. Yes. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Mike. I can't. It just, I can't. I you fucking, can't even? I can't fucking even. Okay. In the state of Ohio, Republicans have advanced a trans sports ban bill that would require student athletes to undergo medical verification if someone complains and demands that their gender be confirmed. Hmm. So in the state of Ohio, they're saying genital inspections for children, for fucking children, Kyle, if some random-ass Karen fucking mom bitch wants to see what's in Johnny's pants. Because, god damn it, I just can't, I can't, I can't. Anyway, uh, so so last last week, the state house was set to vote on a bill to modify Ohio's teacher residency program when Republicans tacked on the trans sports ban at the last minute. The new measure would require schools, state universities, and private colleges to establish single-sex athletic teams and sports for the male sex and female sex or have co-ed teams. 
The bill would require students whose, quote, sex is disputed to provide a doctor's statement verifying their, quote, internal and external reproductive anatomy. This physician would also need to confirm the students, quote, normal endogenously produced levels of testosterone and perform an analysis of the participants' genetic makeup. Thus, just, I, ugh. these, they're kids. They're fucking children. They're fucking children. Not, I'm sorry. I mean, Republicans are probably also fucking children. Like, who knows? Uh, like, but like, no, no, we do. Yeah, we do. They are. <laughs> Matt, Matt Gates, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. It's insane. What, it, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's insane. Imagine being a, a child and realizing that if you do anything outside of the gender norms, you may be perceived by outsiders as other, and that may bring on a medical examination of your genitals, among other things, among accusations of cheating. There, It's, uh, it's such... It's such a get back into your gender box kind of thing that affects, uh, of course, affects trans people and it's horrible and they are the ones under attack right now, but also affects anyone with any kind of just not being the typical anything, any kind of expression or identity or anything that breaks you out of day to day like if if you're a little girl that likes cowboy movies i don't know do, uh, do they need to do a gender inspection because that's a little bit not what a girl does like uh, it's it's insane how rigid they 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 feel like uh, you know before it's family values now it's gender is under attack and they need to try to force people back into the boxes of gender identity and expression that they are comfortable with um and it's it's the it's gross and it's disgusting and it's going to uh, it's going to kill kids yep 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 well uh catherine oakley who is the state legislative director and senior counsel for the human rights campaign said quote transgender students have participated in sports consistent with their gender identity for decades in states around the country and there's no actual problem here that needs addressing this bill is about targeting transgender youth for perceived political gain not about strengthening women's sports or helping Ohio's youth. It is especially shameful that extremist politicians pass this legislation in the dead of night before leaving town until the fall. And so the bill actually is stalled now because they went on break, but the Ohio Senate, which meets again in November, will have to take up this issue and and make a decision. So there's It's like they took a dump in a public toilet and didn't flush. They were just like, "Oh, here we go. Bye." Like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. The thing is, I think that and we've talked about this on the show a little bit before. I think that there can be a nuanced and respectful discussion of of the impacts of testosterone in athletics where it matters and that there's there's a there's a lot there's a lot to to talk about. But if the side that you're on says that an eight-year-old needs to have their penis looked at by a doctor so that they can play soccer. You are fucked. You are a fucking <laughs> dickbag asshole. Get your shit together. Yeah. That is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what I what I really appreciate about what the internet has said in response to people that come out of the woodworks, oh, you care about women's sports? 
Let's talk about the issues. This is not an issue. So what are the issues? There are things like the pay gap or women's access to sports or there's there's uh, there's issues that actually affect the day-to-day lives of women and girls playing sports. And if you cared, you would look at those. But you don't care. You don't actually care about the fairness and equality of women's sports. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry, trans people, like that you are just the 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 favorite whipping post du jour for Republicans to win points with their base because they know that their time is up. Um, yeah. Next up, news the second. Yeah. So LGBTQ plus community and allies are up in arms after the White House kicked off Pride Month by announcing a new postage stamp honoring former First Lady Nancy Reagan. <laughs> um, Nancy Reagan, who was conservative Republican President Ronald Reagan's wife, our first lady from 1981 to 1989. Did you just know that? Yeah. Huh. Rather, rather famously, the Reagan administration um, completely ignored the HIV AIDS crisis at the time when it was the, the, the height of its awfulness in the gay community. He was, uh, Reagan was in office for almost five years before he even said the word AIDS in public. And they also were friends with Rock Hudson, who was one of the earliest celebrities to die of complications with AIDS from AIDS. And uh, he apparently reached out to the Reagans to ask for their help because he was a candidate for a new kind of treatment. It doesn't say what kind of treatment. This is an article from Pink News. But uh, apparently it was an experimental treatment for HIV AIDS that wasn't available in the United States. And he asked the Reagans, who were his friends, to intervene so that he could get signed up for this program. And they they declined to help. Um, Damn. Yeah. So so just there are some people there are some Nancy Reagan defenders, but <laughs> Nancy Reagan apologists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, because because there there were reports that she lobbied her husband completely ineffectively to be kinder to the LGBT community. And, and there, there is some, there is some evidence to suggest that she, that she did, but just the, the Reagan administration's silence on AIDS is unforgivable. And so for the Biden administration to release a postage stamp with her face on it, the first day of pride month is definitely tone deaf. If, if not, um, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what other, like actively antagonistic or something. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So so anyway, anyway. I think it's it's interesting for some reason that reminded me of Biden posting about gun violence recently and being like, we need to take action. And it's like, bro, I know you're not the Senate. I know I know there are differences in these things, but taking to Twitter to to call like saying things need to change when you're the fucking president is like i don't know like you you're the you're the president bro like hopefully you have a better avenue than twitter but to to say that she is lobbying people like princess Di is a great example of she's did shit she just she if there was something that it was a rule that she was supposed to follow or you follow the correct path she didn't do it and she just did what she wanted anyway and so there are if you are the first lady and your husband isn't listening there are things you can do and so yep. i don't i don't know yep absolutely i i, to- I totally agree I, I think there are maybe some like generational gender role things happening right like like uh, you know w- women were maybe women from her generation were maybe less inclined to be 
strong, defiant, independent, powerful women. And, and, come on now. Come on. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> um, come, come on. <laughs> That's my response to, to Biden. Yep. 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 Um, okay. News to the last. Great. I'm going to probably fuck this up, Kyle. Oh. I, mostly because I don't know who this person is. But I guess rapper Isaiah Rashad has publicly come out as sexually fluid. But this is after a sex tape leaked about him, uh, outed him. He did an interview with a fellow rapper, Joe Budden, on Thursday. This is last week. And he defined himself as sexually fluid. So apparently back in February, there was a sex tape that got leaked that showed the 31-year-old engaging in sex with men. And then in April, during a set at Coachella, he said, uh, quote, just because I grew up in high school, I dated this type of person in college, dated this type of person. It doesn't mean that as an adult, it's always going to be like specific. I'm more attracted to a personality and I'm attracted to the intellect. And sometimes it's just being attracted to somebody. But uh, somebody to to love somebody Uh, to love. Okay. So uh, apparently, apparently, this leaked sex tape is uh, him blowing some dudes and some dudes blowing him. So good for him, dudes. uh, Plural. Um, is that is that what you said? Plural men. Plural. Damn group sex tape. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. It it leaked online, and at first it was just a rumor. Like, hey, is that is that Isaiah Rashad? And (laughs) and then it turned out that yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it probably is. Um, God, that leak- fucking su- jokes about blowing groups of men aside. Like, I uh, To not be in control of the moment you come out and to have it not only, uh, not only come out that way, but through everyone seeing your like private personal sex life. Jesus, that's – I don't know how you could – yeah. Yep. Well, he said uh, he said that the leak resulted in his family discovering that he was queer. And uh, the the other rapper, Budden, in this interview said, um, well, well, quote, you said your family knew, your grandparents knew, your girl knew. And he said, um, uh, Rashad replied, well, it's a time for my family together out of everything. It's been a blessing that with that happening and my granddad dying a couple of days afterwards, it's been a concentration of family together more than they had been before. If anything, I can't be mad at everything about it. I always got to look at the brighter side of stuff. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's uh, sexually fluid is something that we've been talking about more and more. And um, I, I think it's really it's really interesting to have um, a, a black man that is in the public eye come out as sexually fluid and have it, especially in a toxic environment like rap. And yeah. have it go pretty okay, at least so far, is 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 interesting, uh, and I, I definitely want to learn more about him and his music as a result. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I want to learn more about his music. Yeah. <laughs> hey now. Hey. <laughs> I I did look up the Jesse Williams sex tape. I'm not going to look up this one. It's that, not not then, sex tape. His the the dong tape. You looked up the yeah. That was my biggest problem with the Jesse Williams dong is it was just hanging there. It wasn't doing. You know, I want a, <laughs> a, a dick in action remains in action. Like I want, I want to see, I want to see it. 
Wait, like Newtonian physics? A dick at yeah. rest remains at rest unless acted upon <laughs> by an equal and opposite dick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to look up his sex tape, and if it's not called sexual fluids, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I don't think. I probably won't. I might. I don't think. I. No, I won't. I would never. I might. I maybe. No, I can't. I wouldn't. I might. Uh, all right. I mean, I mean, I don't want to, but I, I will on your behalf. If <laughs> <laughs> you will do hardcore research for this yep. show. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, that's the news. That's the news. Well, uh, my hardcore research has been telling me that the following people uh, are better than a sex tape. And thank you to the following new Patreon members. Tommy. John. Just. Alex L. What? <laughs> What, oh, they're just just first names. That's it. Tommy, John, right. Alex L, and G. Case Willoughby the Third. Sorry, Tommy, John, and Alex L. You got stomped on again by the G. Case. Um, if you want to join, get episodes a day early, support the show, get ad free listening, get lots of bonus content. Uh, check out all the options on patreon.com slash gayish podcast. Do it. Do you want to talk about queer cinema? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about queer cinema. So in just a little bit, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have our good friend, quiz daddy, Chris Hagee from the We Read Movies podcast. Uh, people who listen to this show might remember he uh, co-hosted when you people, were... T- people that listen to this show. <laughs> people like you. <laughs> like you, like you, current person. Like um, you, you currently, yeah. He helped me do the Armpits episode last summer in, in August. And uh, and then he was a frequent contributor on Have a Nice Gay. He did all of our, our quiz stuff, our, our Wednesday game day. Anyway, uh, he knows a lot about gay cinema because that's all his podcast is about. Um, but, uh, but, but, but yeah, um, anything we want to say before he's here to defend himself? Um, <laughs> boy, that his... <laughs> armpit image on on the instagram is one of our most popular images like nowadays i now i see it like if you are it's not it's kind of subtle but not really subtle if you are like a gay influencer on instagram chances are every now and then we're trying to promote promote something you do a pit pick like that is that is a thing there is a, a there is a math to it that that people know anyway that's not anything about queer cinema but that's just sure. a, just a fun fact um glad yeah, he, those, are, those are still pictures and cinema is moving pictures that's true that's the biggest <laughs> difference between our instagram and queer yep. cinema <laughs> yeah i mean yep. and cultural impact is about the same so all right so um you want you want to you want to take a break yeah let's take a break okay i'm gonna watch a movie oh whoa okay See ya. Uh, Chris and I will record while you're gone. (laughs) Okay, great. Bye. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It sure is. Hey, Mike. Hey, Kyle. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Okay, we talked about this the last time we recorded an ad, and I said I thought I would do cooking. Uh huh. I actually did. I talked to my therapist and she was like, what would you do for an extra hour? And I said I would cook. And so I did. And this weekend on Saturday, I made a recipe I'd never made before. It was French onion mac and cheese and it was delicious. Well, if you want to improve your mental health, be a podcaster and record an ad about mental health. Yeah. <laughs> 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's completely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gayish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash gayish. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash gayish. French onion mac and cheese. That's what makes me happy. Yum. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Mike. Do you remember when prep came out and it was a game changer? Oh, my God. Biggest news. We were all excited to get our hands on it. Well, it's happening again. (laughs) It is. Imagine a world where STIs are no more. Doxypep is what we're talking about, everybody. You can get Doxypep from Shameless Care, and Doxypep has been proven to be up to 90% effective at stopping STIs like chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. It's just like PrEP was for HIV, but now for all of those other things, too. And where can you get this? You can get it from Shameless Care as a top telemedicine provider with board-certified physicians across 50 states. They have a mission of making DoxyPep accessible and affordable. Answer some medical questions on the website, and one of their physicians will prescribe DoxyPep to you. Viola is shipped straight to your door in discreet (laughs) packaging. And DoxyPep at Shameless Care is crazy affordable, just $109 a year. That covers the online evaluation, the medication, and the shipping. So if you're ready to rewrite your story and discover the joy of carefree intimacy, visit shamelesscare.com slash gayish to take control of your sexual health. That is shamelesscare.com slash gayish. Your liberation is waiting. Be sure to use lube. (laughs) So are we back? We're back. We're back. <laughs> and I'm here. Whoa. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> surprise. Like, like a Nosferatu, I rise from the shadows. Yeah. It's like the creepy kind, the real pale kind, except you yeah, know the, that. Yeah, the Count Orloff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, we're here with, with Quiz Daddy Chris Hagee from the We Read Movies podcast. Uh, w- welcome, welcome back to the show. Hi. I'm uh, very happy to be here yeah. to talk about my favorite subject. What? Gay movies. Oh, good. Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> if it was different than that, I would have been very... <laughs> to talk about my favorite subject, the Antebellum South. I don't know. Right, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Yeah. So we, you're on here talking about your favorite thing, gay movies. Why do you care about gay movies? And what have you... What's your experience with gay yeah, movies? Yeah. Reintroduce yourself. Yeah. So, uh, hi, everybody. I'm Chris Hagee. Uh, so, I, I mean... First off, I have I have a podcast uh, called We Read Movies, where we talk about bad gay movies, uh, so, or uh, also known as just gay movies. Um, <laughs> I've been okay. So, like my full story, uh, the very first movie that I ever watched, uh, my dad was like, well, "It's a musical. It's probably for kids." So it was Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> oh God! Um, <laughs> and I loved it. It was my yep. favorite movie. Uh, I had the soundtrack on cassette, and I used to listen to it all the time. So my my history with gay movies goes back to uh, you know my uh, when I was two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Did your parents ever were they ever in denial about you being gay, or was there a oh he loves Rocky Horror Picture Show? We got to get on board with this real quick. I, I mean. I think that everybody really knew. I I. 
after loving Rocky Horror Picture Show, I loved musicals of all kinds. Um, my favorite toy growing up was a Rainbow Bright doll. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was just, I was hecka gay. <laughs> I think I was much more vocal than I planned, than like I thought I was being about my crush on Atreyu from The NeverEnding Story. Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, uh-huh. I mean, and I came out at like 14 uh, so it, I, it wasn't, a it wasn't much of a surprise to, okay. I think anybody. Okay. Sorry. Continue. You can continue with your movie descriptors. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I watch a lot of, uh, I watched, I was watching a lot of bad game movies and I was watching so many of them that I, uh, felt the need to start talking about them on a biweekly <laughs> basis. And the thing that, the thing that really made me want to start the podcast uh, was that I was watching uh, one of the first movies that we ever did uh, called Going Down in La La Land, uh, which mm. is there's no reason you would know about it. It it wasn't particularly uh, well received, but it was just like a, it's a movie about a, a a guy who moves to Hollywood and then like he tries to be an actor that doesn't work. And then he becomes a porn star and then becomes an escort. And then but it's about sex work, but it's very sex shaming. Oh, wow. Uh, and he is very sex shaming. And it's a, it, it just like, it, it made me feel gross. Uh, mm. And I didn't, I didn't like it. And then I was uh, listening to a podcast about the movie and that was really sex shaming too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I have a love hate relationship, I think with gay movies. What sure. podcast was that? I, I don't want to call. I don't want to put him on blast. <laughs> it's Pride. We're supposed to be bitchy. That's that's why Pride was invented, so gays could be other bitchy to other gays. I feel Harvey I'm, Milk I'm, died for our rights to be cunts to each I'll, other. I'll tell you both after. Okay. 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 I know that they are aware of us, mm. but oh. they have never talked bad about us. So I don't. I don't want to talk bad about them. That's well, very getting uh, Azalea Banks, man. Getting controversy <laughs> going is the way you grow. This is this is your PR tactic. Okay, no, no, no. That's fair and very nice of you. Okay, I think that uh, to start us off, gay movies, queer movies. It is a very important area for so many queer people, and I think similar to queer history, where if you don't know certain things, then especially after you come out, you never learned these things. No one taught you that. It makes sense that you don't know them. And also other people can very much judge you for your knowledge or lack of knowledge in this area. I think, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what the other areas, like female divas, gay history and musicals 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 is a broadway then i think that like if i if i'm you know talking to somebody and i'm and i say like oh you know i i was listening to the six soundtrack the other day and they're like i don't know what that is and i'm like ah that's fine you don't you don't need to (laughs) uh whereas like if i don't know if somebody was to say that like they had never seen brokeback mountain i'd be like really you've never seen it like mm-hmm. i understand if you don't like it but like you you never felt the need to to watch it at least to try there and there's a difference even between that between being surprised i don't know but i think there is sometimes it can go to a place that makes people feel shitty about their 
you know, like, like you're not gay enough. You're not right. You don't, how can you, you, you are deficient as a person, which I think someone, uh, what movie was it? Steel Magnolias. I still haven't Mm. seen it, but they described me as deficient because I had not seen that. And that was like, this is, this has gone beyond, oh, I'm surprised you haven't seen that to like now describing me as a, as a person that's not complete because of lack of knowledge. I have very much felt that in the gay community. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we're, uh, we can be judgmental bitches. Uh, and <laughs> I, I will say this. I don't think you're deficient as a person, but you should see steel magnolias. <laughs> and I think that, um, that kind of, that, that was, that was basically what I was going to say, uh, was just, that you should see steel magnolias. Yeah. 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 The one thing to take away from this. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was going to say is I, I don't think that like there are gay movies that most people would be judgy that you haven't seen. Uh, maybe like Chu Wong Fu possibly, Mm-hmm. But I think that by and large, it would be they're not gay movies, but they are gay classics. So like Legally Blonde or um, I was watching Fire Island uh, yesterday Ooh, and yeah. and there's a scene where they're talking about my cousin Vinny and huh. somebody has never seen it or heard of it. And they're all like, how can you never have heard of this movie? So yeah. I, I would say things like that. Yeah. Charlie's Angels. Uh, basically anything with a strong female lead. Yeah. 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 It is really interesting how many movies aren't overtly queer that are these iconic mean a lot to gay men more than, than other, other films, even some films that are overtly queer, (laughs) they still, you know, prefer them. I think that's true of artists also like uh, of, of musicians, Uh, our gay icon musicians are, almost never gay it's yeah. you know it's britney it's Cher, it's uh it's dan warwick it's it's you know ostensibly straight almost always women yeah we almost never describe elton john for example as being a gay icon despite the fact that he is very flamboyantly gay i think that he's potentially more appreciated by straight people mm. uh mm. than he mm. is gays yeah hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, uh, we'll we'll talk about some of the the movies, the the queer movies of your, as I always say um, that word. But and you know, they're they're smaller independent ones. They're Sundance movies. They're and and the the mainstream or the day to day ones that you talk about are not going to be these low budget independent films. They're gonna and I think just like musical artists, I think that's a great comparison. I think musical artists. The thing they play in the radio is the thing little gay boys know about growing up. Just like the movies that we saw, we didn't have an opportunity to see gay movies and that's changing now, but that's what, but so we like ones that are, you know, just, just like those divas are there. It's their strong, weird women that, you know, are, you know, kind of fucked up, but are cool with it and, you know, wear crazy things. Like, yeah, I think those parallels run very close together. Um, So, uh let's just put it out there what's what's your uh, do you have a queer movie gap and chris like you have an entire podcast where you watch gay movies so i i can't imagine i can't imagine you having a big gap but i I don't have a huge gap i do have (laughs) um uh i I certainly have some hot takes uh one of the i guess the biggest gap is that i and this is also my most cancelable opinion but I started watching Call Me By Your Name and I stopped because I was intensely bored. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was one of the most boring movies I'd ever seen. And I, I finally was just like, forget it. I can't do this. I don't want to watch two hours of this. I'm sorry. Wow. 
I literally did the same thing when I wrote down my answer to this. It is Call Me By Your Name. I started watching it, and I, I think I got five minutes in, and I was like, uh, maybe not right now, because I'm, like, I'm so fucking bored right now. It felt like work as I was doing it, and I, I didn't... I don't know. I was... Yeah. Yeah. My other uh, uh, big gap is Pink Flamingos. That's one that ah. comes up a lot. John Waters? I, yeah, yeah, that's John Waters. That's the one where Divine eats uh, eats poop at the end. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> no, I, I at least know the poop part. I, <laughs> Mike, what about you? Okay, I have also not seen at all Call Me By Your Name. Oh, so, wow. Oh. We got a Call Me By Your Name gap here. <laughs> the trifecta. Um, yeah, I, have, I haven't seen it. Of course, everybody, everybody raved about it. I just haven't prioritized it. And... Uh, um, now maybe I won't after the panning that you guys just gave it. I think I just need to get high. <laughs> True of the movie and of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What are some other controversial hot takes about gay cinema? All right, here's my hottest take. The hottest take I have. I think that potentially... I, so I love John Waters movies, but I think potentially John Waters might have opened the door for a lot of really terrible cinema Um, because I think that like with David Lynch, uh, John Waters is a very stylized thing that most people can, uh, that I think a lot of people can look at and say like, well, I could do that. Uh, And the the fact is like, oftentimes they can't because uh, what John Waters was doing and what David Lynch was doing uh, and still, I think he's still alive. uh, (laughs) What John Waters was doing was like adding First off, nobody had ever done it before, so that was that was interesting in and of itself. But uh, he, he added uh, just an element of absurdity uh, and and sincere absurdity that I think is lacking from a lot of uh, similarly campy, similarly trashy type movies that get made uh, especially ones on a low budget and especially gay movies sincere absurdity i like that phrase that's like that's interesting what about you mike (laughs) well i wanted at some point we we need to we need to sort of calibrate on what we mean by queer cinema right because there's there's the this is a a a queer story about queer characters that's like clearly fits but then there's all this gray area in between especially when we look at older movies older older cinema because you you couldn't be overt about these things so you know gay people are watching these movies and and reading into things and 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 there's a lot of queer coding that happens but yeah like the spartacus count right right exactly exactly and 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 then there's this uh, there's this third bucket that that chris talked about a little bit ago of just movies that gay people love does that it does that make it queer cinema and so one of the things swirling around in my head i don't understand why why so many gay men love gray gardens. I, 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 I don't, it's a, the documentary about little Edie and like, they just seem fucking obsessed with these, with these women in this documentary. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't see the, the appeal. I don't get it. I think that little Edie is, I, I think that gray gardens is, there's an element of like, uh, I mean, there's an element of camp to it. There's an element of, I don't remember the right, word for it it's not quite kitsch uh but there's it's wealthy women in decline i think is a is a very appealing thing to gay men yeah you get to kind of live a little bit vicariously through that and uh especially like with little Edie, she's she's so 
because she's rich, we'll call her eccentric. But like she was, <laughs> she was, she was nuts. Yeah. And her wealth sheltered her and allowed her to to kind of live that life uh, without intervention. Um, and I think that a lot of gay men see that and and think, ah, f- I fucking wish. <laughs> I think there's, I mean, I think something about queer cinema is people on the fringes of society, views that you don't see, a- outsiders, people that don't fit, or yeah, someone that you're just like, you. This is not how people live or should live. It's just this. This comes across. This is insane. Like it, it's. It's something about people on the fringes of society just kind of doing their shit and whether they realize it or not, it's, I I think there's something to that that's inherent in queer cinema. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. How how about you, Kyle? What's your, what, what are we taking your gay card away for? Um, uh, my, my biggest thing right now is that I don't watch a lot of gay things or queer things. Uh, and whether that's TV shows or media, I, I avoid them. And there's something like personal going on with me of, I, uh, it's difficult for me. Like, basically I'm just like, okay, I have to just watch out for myself and my mental health number one. And, and if that means not watching gay things, even though I should, or, you know, every, or people recommend it, or it's, you know, it's the biggest popular thing. Uh, you know, I, I talk about gay culture for an entire fucking podcast and don't watch the current day gay things. And mm. a part of it is uh, like, I, I, there's something about watching gay movies that sometimes, or, or even gay TV shows that I don't, I don't, I want to be taken away or I want it as a distraction. And that is a very like real and grounding thing. There's something to get that I'm annoyed as someone who's a writer or, or like wants to be a writer or whatever I am that I'm like annoyed that I'm not doing anything or making any kind of art that, and these people are, and they're doing it. And there's like a envy that I have that I'm not proud of that, that, prevents me there's uh, most of them feature some kind of like hot dude that i could never be and and i've i've been avoiding things with like hot people there are like all these reasons that i just do not watch or stay up on gay media right now what do you watch that doesn't have hot people in it (laughs) golden girls (laughs) (laughs) mike what is queer cinema define it you wanted us to calibrate well, yeah. What is what is queer cinema? I guess this is as good a time as any to talk about the history of queer oh. cinema, um, which you know, <laughs> no one, uh, no one at home can see what I just did. But I did, <laughs> jazz, I did hands. jazz hands. <laughs> it's the pizzazz that's been lacking from the history segments. So, if you read like the the Wikipedia article, the history of homosexuality in American film, right? Like like multiple places, I ran across the same tidbit of the f- first queer representation in film the gay brothers is the gay brothers and it's this this <laughs> it's very short i watched the whole thing three times because it's only like 30 seconds and it is it was filmed in 1895 and it was filmed at edison's um laboratory and at a laboratory yeah it, it, his uh, like movie theater sorry movie movie studio he called it edison's labs he did other stuff there too so it, inventions and also you know a little bit of strong arm robbery of other places yeah because uh, he was also kind of a mobster yeah yeah poor tesla 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and he would like other people would be like, I'm going to make a movie studio, too. And he was like, no, 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 you're not. And then a bunch of thugs would show up and like smash all their cameras. Um, yep. So, you know, Edison kind of sucked. But anyway, the the point is, yes, his labs. <laughs> Problematic Sorry. dude, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's a, uh, the it, it's also known as the Dixon Experimental Sound film. It was made by William Dixon in late 1894, early 1895, and it is the first known film that had sound recorded with it. So, it's it's notable for two pretty big reasons, right? The, the first is that, you know, it, it shows uh, these two men dancing with each other while another man plays the violin or fiddle violin. And, uh, and then it's notable because you can see the guy playing the violin into this giant ass cone because it is being fed into a recorder that it's, it's uh, making a wax cylinder that has the, the sound on it. And so it's, it's the first known film with live recorded sound. It's, it's really, it's really interesting but it's not queer like it's queer i don't because... even think it's I, I it's called the gay brothers but from what i saw they didn't seem particular they weren't like the gay brothers that i uh remember from a certain video from the 2007 or so right yeah the peters <laughs> <laughs> it's not familydick.com that's for yeah. sure right like <laughs> I, I sort of always assume like in my head i i i just kind of always assumed that edison just meant like the happy brothers right. oh yeah was gay gay at that time or was gay happy it, it's it's also possible that edison didn't name it that um there there's some um places that suggest that uh vito russo who wrote the celluloid closet which was then ultimately turned into a movie which we talked about on x-rated movies um uh, in season one of of, of gayish <laughs> But uh, but his book, The Celluloid Closet, written in 1981, uh, he titled it The Gay Brothers or claimed without attribution that it was called The Gay Brothers. And that sort of took off. And but it's it's unsubstantiated. Hmm, uh, interesting. So, yeah, it's also there's there's no evidence that, that the guy um, intended Dixon, the director, intended to present the men as a romantic couple. Um, in fact, the lyrics of the song that the violinist plays describes life at sea without women. And when you're at sea without women, you dance with each other. You also blow each other sometimes. So maybe that doesn't it, it's not the slam dunk that this writer thinks it is. But and also sometimes you look over the side of the boat and you see a manatee and you think that's a hot mermaid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you dash your ship upon the rocks trying to fuck that manatee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Early cinema got away with a whole bunch of shit, which I think we've talked about before the the Hayes Code a little bit, and I, I will go over some of that. But but early, early, early cinema got away with a whole bunch of stuff that just would not have been wouldn't have been allowed in the forties, fifties, sixties. The like what, Mike? Like 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 okay, the nineteen twenty two film Manslaughter includes an orgy scene, and it, in that orgy scene is a same sex kiss oh it is it is Boy, okay i mean uh, same sex kiss great but if you're describing an orgy scene and the say and that like kiss seems like the not a not a same sex dick and down or uh, yeah also and... how what do we uh paint a word picture of this orgy like uh <laughs> how much how much how much dick do we see 
Yeah, I don't think this. I don't. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't seen it. It is a silent film, and so I'm. I'm. I'm reasonably sure it could be found on on YouTube. It is. It is a hundred minutes long, so it's a. It's a full. It's a full. It's a full thing. It is not. It. It's not a hundred like minutes of orgy. No. 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 So the. So just to to read the the description here, it was it was directed by Cecil B, Cecil B. DeMille, who um, there's now you know a fancy award named after, but uh, also it, one it, of the best scenes in Sunset Boulevard. Another movie that I would say is very gay. Yeah, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close up. No, all right, no, uh, I haven't I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. Oh it. my god, I've seen, I've seen that clip. Do your though. gay card. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, manslaughter per- portrays the main character Lydia Thorne as a thrill-seeking, self-entitled, and wild woman who does not have a reputation of thinking before acting. She acts selfishly by dancing with other men in the presence of her husband and not providing help to her maid who is in dire need for her son's health. As a result of her numerous poor decisions, she is taken to court because of a vehicle accident entailing a high-speed chase that she has with a motorcyclist policeman. Following this accident, she is imprisoned for manslaughter after being prosecuted by her husband, Daniel O'Bannon, who is a lawyer. I think you uh, accidentally read The Great Gatsby. I think that was the, the description of The Great Gatsby. I think you accidentally read the biography of uh, Barbara Bush. Yeah, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, after she gets out of jail, he becomes president. No, uh, she, uh, <laughs> she, she finds that her husband has become an alcoholic. Um, and then it says this film was one of the very first to depict a graphic scene of men plundering a room of women meant to represent the descent of Lydia's privileged life. And this film contained various imagery depicting life among the upper class society. It was the first film to show an erotic kiss between two members of the same sex. And, um, yeah, where is I want men to plunder me. Like, I just don't want to like have (laughs) sex with him. I want them to plunder me. That's hot. (laughs) Great. It does. I mean, it sounds very like bodice ripping romance novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little bit misogynistic, but like the misogyny, light misogyny is hot. But then you fix him with your goodness and he turns <laughs> into a, yeah. it turns out that he's a lord or something and yeah. then he marries you. My goodness. <laughs> Makes an honest woman of you. Um. Yeah. There's there's an orgy and there's some 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 kissing that happens. Um. Then <laughs> there's an orgy uh, and there's some kissing. <laughs> yep. Yep. This isn't one of those no kissing orgies. <laughs> uh, Marlena Dietrich um kisses a lady in 1930 in the movie Morocco, and um that while one wearing a suit while wearing a suit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well. Yeah, a lady wearing a suit and kissing another lady. How dare she? Mm-hmm. Um, but but that that was um, th- that's the first time that a leading lady kissed another female on screen and was definitely making a splash. It, it, that was a queer splash, uh, undeniably a queer splash. It was controversial and disgust and and and, and the the queerness of the whole thing is is why I I buy the argument that that's the first one that counts. But um, I don't have. An encyclopedic knowledge of of everything, but I think there's a lot of focus on what men do in cinema, and um, male homosexuality is more threatening to culture at large, or seems to be. But uh, this Marlene Dietrich, like like putting her mouth on the other the lady's mouth, is is pretty. Um, I, I'm I, I think that's I think that's the one. And it was also like uh, it, it's not one of those movies where homosexuality is shown to be like a a, a symbol of debauchery or a symbol of um, 
like a lewd lifestyle uh or 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 even where it's like you know you've got like the children's hour uh which is about uh a lesbian who is running a school and she's punished for it yeah spoilers for a movie from 1932 or whatever but <laughs> uh you know she she's not she she doesn't get to have a happy ending right um right yeah and i think in morocco my understanding is you know it she she kind of does right right yeah um i i want to see it now just on on principle be a, be a good gay so th- then we get into the Hayes Code time. So, you know, in the uh, motion picture code, which uh, got started in 1934, it-, it went under a whole bunch of-, of revisions. But basically from 1934 to 1968, there were these these codes that prevented a whole bunch of shit from being depicted in cinema and uh, gay shit any kind of queer shit at all was 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 verboten so we end up having back to this original question of like what is queer cinema we end up having a lot of queer things happening on screen and hinted at or coded but not actually overtly present and um it's a it's an interesting time because like the celluloid closet mentions over and over again gay people go to a movie and they're desperately looking for themselves and looking for representation and there were lots of ways in which hollywood gave it to them but they had to do it on the dl and uh yeah and then you know to mike to to connect back to our previous episode wow i learned a thing that you taught me from our last episode about the word queer and how people in uh, like new york uh, in that in that book, Gay New York by Chauncey, a name mm-hmm. I I have a terrible memory, but I won't forget the name Chauncey. Uh, but um, <laughs> there, people identified as queer in New York. I, I like read more about that after the episode. And in New York, there was an entire from like very late eighteen hundreds to like nineteen forty ish, where there were we had these balls. We I wasn't there. Uh, queer people had balls. There were people that identified as queer. Queer was more like middle class. They you know meant different things. And then I think like during the forties was this big backlash against queer culture, and we had to kind of go underground. And or, or uh, I mean, it's not like we were like yeah, I don't know. There were the, there were just like all of these public events that people wrote about and talked about, and and so it's interesting the timing. Uh, I'm surely all of this connects and lines up that the timing of that is in the thirties around when you know some of these things that we were just a little bit more out in the open or talked about even if not broadly socially accepted yeah then got that happened in the early 1900s then got pushed uh aside or or society kind of had this backlash against them and i think that happens uh i I think you know that sort of happens again in the 70s right with disco and then there's a there's a backlash against that again um and i think that we had i think that generally society kind of you know, we take two steps forward, one step back very often. Um, and, and we start having, you know, like, uh, 1969 rolls around, we get, uh, movies like the gay deceivers, uh, and then Stonewall happens and we, we get a whole bunch of like gay rights. And then we have, you know, the disco scene and we've got the village people, uh, they have their own cereal brand. And then (laughs) Erica's like, Hey guys, y'all are too gay for us. So like, Dial it back a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think that I think that happens often. Yeah, it, yeah, and and you, you talk about you know the, the the coincidence of timing, Kyle. Like the the, the Hayes Code 
barely barely hangs on during the 60s it's not nearly as stringently enforced and that's when you know sexual liberation is happening straight people are doing all of this like summer of love and 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 shit like that and then stonewall happens in 60 in 69 and um by then the Hays code uh, was replaced with the film rating system that we know now the mpaa and and you know rated r rated x blah 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 and um i i think it's interesting also because Stonewall happens and gay people sort of arrive on the scene and uh, movies, studios start to see us as a way to make money. And it, it, it then is more inclined to include more overtly queer things in movies. And then, you know, you've got when did Rocky Horror come out? 1970 something like by, by, by the time Rocky Horror comes out, like it's it's just uh, 75. Yeah, seventy-five. We've we, we've given up even just like pretending or trying to hold hold it back. But yeah, and then do you want do you want to talk about your stuff? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to talk about new queer cinema, which uh, there is this wave of a queer cinema that happened in the '90s that I'm going to talk a little bit more about. It's uh, it's either called new queer cinema, also referred to as the queer new wave. That was a term coined by B. Ruby Rich in the magazine Sight and Sound in 1992. And mm-hmm. I first came across this when when looking up queer cinema, I came across this article in the New York Times that talked about a Sundance Film Festival panel with queer. Uh, directors and stuff on January 25th, 1992. And uh, they talked about contemporary gay and lesbian cinema. It was called the barbed wire kisses panel, which was after some band is an album by a band who I can't find the connection. To, I don't know. Surely there's something queer about that, that I don't understand, but there you go. <laughs> but um, it's what I, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but like, I just think it's interesting that there, that is a moment in queer history that is, at Sundance, this group of people got together, talked about cinema, and it is I the article I was reading was a reflective looking back on 30 years or whatever since this panel. And it's crazy. There mostly history doesn't happen in these big moments that you can, you know, you look back and you say Stonewall was important there, but there are all these things that happened along the way. But this is a moment, a there was a a point in time that you could point to and say, this is a moment in queer cinema history. This group of people that got together and talked about it. If you were there on that day, it is a moment in history. And that's, that always fascinates me. Those, those Mm -hmm. kind of moments that you look back and say, this was important. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and when I hadn't heard about, so these directors and queer people got together and talked about uh, gay cinema. They talked about things like, the trans representation in Silence of the Lambs. Like, imagine being able to have that discussion at the time yeah. without straight people there to have to, like, you're all just kind of, you know, there's a level of removing the outside. This is like, let's talk about our community and, and our opinions on, on this topic. I'm always in favor of events that don't have straight people at them, just in general. <laughs> <laughs> straight people are so exhausting. I know. And, and ubiquitous. Antiquitous, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so uh, that kind of kicked off this new uh, queer cinema movement. Uh, I I just wrote down as I was reading about it words that helped define what this movement meant. Um, it's interesting because the person that created this this phrase to describe it, B. Ruby Rich, said that it doesn't share a single aesthetic vocabulary 
or strategy or concern. So talking mm-hmm. about the variety of these films. So then what do they have in common? And it is the, it is the queer part. So it is activist driven. Um, it is, it was described as identity cinema. Um, it is uh, films that are angry, uh, made during the nineties. They are a rejection of heteronormativity, LGBT protagonists on the fringes of society. That's something I, I, I mentioned before. Rich, the person that created this said, quote, the eighties had been so brutal work didn't get made because people were dying too fast, which I don't know. There, there's, uh, there's no, just anytime I'm reminded of the AIDS crisis, it's, it's something that I can never truly totally feel. But uh, this is just another one of those times where you're like, Oh, we didn't get films made because we're all fucking dying. Like that. Right, it's just, yeah. you know, the gravity yeah. of that. Like one um, of the movies that we did for the, for the podcast was, uh, uh, red ribbon blues, uh, which is a movie that RuPaul's in, uh, <laughs> as is Lipsinka, uh, and a couple of other people, but RuPaul's in it. Uh, it's weird to think of like, this person who I know is still alive. I don't know her, but <laughs> this person who is still alive, who I see on my television every day, uh, was also around at a time when uh, in the movie, they talk about like it's set a couple of years in the future uh, where like they have a new pill for HIV uh, that increases the lifespan that doubles the lifespan of AIDS patients and now allows them to live for up to 10 years. Mm. And it was this like, shocking bit of text on the screen that like not even an entire generation has gone by where like people were were people were dying very very regularly and like very quickly uh from this disease Uh, and it happens so recently yeah yeah Yeah. and uh, this is i think part of what comes of that part of the reason for this wave of queer cinemas is in reaction to that. That is why it is people in the fringes. That is why they are taking queer people and putting them front and center. And it is not trying to fit in or buy in. Like these are like, we are angry that not only is this happening, but no one gives a shit about us. And it is angry, unapologetic and activist centric. It, it, um, one of the things that I liked that it describes this, type of movie as this confrontational and antagonistic approach towards heterosexual culture. It's these people that are fucking pissed off because all their friends died. No one fucking cares. We haven't been like art makes sense that that's a place that people turn to be, to be able to express some of this pain and, and the difficulty they're going through. And what, what was also interesting is when this started to slow down, one of the people that was on that panel talked about how in the 21st century, LGBTQ lives were not under attack by AIDS or Congress like they were in the 90s. So the outrage that this kind of brand of cinema, it, um, like it, it did not have the outrage and immediacy of this wave of, of queer cinema. It's So that's like a really interesting byproduct of AIDS and you know, political action and, and groups like act up and, um, and queer nation. So, uh, some of the movies that I intend to try to watch this month to help me learn a little bit more, just reading some of the ones that came up. So others, if they want to listen or, or watch as well, uh, Edward, the second by Derek Jarman, uh, young soul rebels by Isaac Julian swoon by Tom Kalen poison by Todd Haynes, Paris is Burning uh, by Jenny Livingston and The Watermelon Woman by Cheryl Dooney, uh, which is the uh, known uh, thought to be the first out black lesbian to direct a feature film. Hmm. 
I would I would add to that list probably the Teen Apocalypse trilogy, uh, the Gregoraki, uh, what is it, Doom Generation? Uh, I don't remember the other three, but he made three movies in the '90s that are the the Teen Apocalypse trilogy, and they're hmm. Hmm. you know just sort of very, as you say, very activist, very uh, angry, very. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one of my uh, missing, one of my big gaps was Paris is Burning. So uh, that the reason I did not mention that earlier is because last night I watched it. So that mm. was the first time I had seen it. Um, and I uh, <laughs> have seen, I've watched Pose before I've w- watched this. So it is insane how close and, and it poses a very good representation of, of Paris is Burning. I was really impressed with that. So, uh, not only like learning about this moment in time in, in in queer film history that that I didn't know about, I think some of the ways that we define that help illuminate the difference between gay cinema. Like g- gay movies, they talked about like there are other there are gay movies happening at the time, like the Crying Game. They are made by straight people, or there are movies that are about you know even when you get to modern day you know love simon like i'm just a normal white boy you know like there those to me are gay movies versus queer there's something that is activist that has more black people people of color that has people with hiv or aids like there is something that uh, about queer cinema they're they're angrier they're weirder they're independent like there's something about queer cinema that I also think helps illuminate the difference between the words gay and and queer. Hmm. There's a really good uh, Matt Rogers does a character. You can find it on YouTube, uh, but it's the like unintimidating gay teen. And he talks about like the gay teen that you see in movies basically and how it, how the character like, doesn't get to have sex and may at some point share like one chaste kiss. Mm-hmm, uh, but, mm-hmm. but more often than not, they, the only thing that really happens to them is that the whole school comes around and accepts them. Uh, <laughs> and, and they're still alone and the audience doesn't get to like movies like that. They don't give uh, young gay kids a hope that they will be, treated as equals they they're still they they don't get to have their own love story for example they don't get to have yeah they they the best that they can hope is that their homophobic parent will come around and be slightly less homophobic at the end of the movie right (laughs) the the best thing you can hope for is you don't realize how hot your dad josh dumal is because that (laughs) really breaches a weird line that as a gay team you may not want to go down it's true it's actually fitting then that we ended on uh, that because what I wanted to talk about was, uh, as I say, you know, we've got a podcast. Uh, it's called We Read Movies. Hold two, three. Again, it's called We Read Movies. <laughs> um, and uh, we watch, you know, bad gay movies. Uh, and then we talk about them for comedy purposes. And um, as I say, the reason that I wanted to start the podcast was because there's so many movies. There's so many pieces of media that is made uh, for and often by gay people that traffics in this very anti-gay attitude. So mm-hmm. um, one of the questions that we was, that we always ask at the end of our episodes is, is this a good gay movie? That is, is it a movie that's good for gay people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So does it avoid trafficking in harmful stereotypes, internalized homophobia, 
does it slut shame? Is it advocating for homonormativity, uh, which uh, it was a term coined by Lisa Duggan uh, during the fight for gay marriage, uh, mm-hmm. basically. And it's it's taking heteronormative ideals of like monogamy and chasteness and sort of conservatism in um, both your attitudes and like the way that you dress and the way that you conduct yourself. And so you like you're 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 straight acting and you just basically apply that to gay people. So you still have, you know, you end up with uh, movies like uh, Eating Out 3, uh, (laughs) All You Can Eat, uh, where you have a character talk about how, like, gay people are all shallow sluts. And then he's the, like, one good monogamous gay person who doesn't only care about people's appearances. And then as a result, he ends up getting the hottest person in the movie. Yeah, uh, his like boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Don't take that dream away from me. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, don't take me shitting on every other gay person and getting the hot guy <laughs> as a dream that I personally have away from me. But yeah, so as we're asking these questions, the answer more often than not is no. This is not a good movie for gay people. Mm. Um, <laughs> and. They engage in like, or, or they'll engage in femme shaming, right? Which, uh, which happens a lot. So uh, we get a lot of gay movies made by gay people, like by gay directors, where all of the actors are straight and they all act like it. And yeah. then what we get from that is, uh, first off, that we are we we're, we're sort of taught by our own media, uh, and and it's something that I think a lot of us internalize that like flamboyancy is unacceptable and like yeah. uh swishiness is 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 unacceptable and also it has the unfortunate fact of like because all of the actors are straight they often don't want to appear on camera kissing a man so you mm. get the like six degrees of separation thing where they go in for the kiss and then the camera pulls away at the last second and you just see the backs of their heads so like you i guess they might be kissing but no yeah. they're not and then we are taught by our own media that our sexuality is shameful and, and, and is something that can't be displayed. Yeah. 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 We just continually have these kind of debates about uh, even at Stonewall where people were like, we, we should not be, you know, out there in chorus lines. We should not have limp wrists out there. We should not be singing and chanting and breaking things. We need to fit in. Like we, we have this constant push and pull between the groups of people that think we should fit in. And there's a, you know, heteronormativity to an assimilation that, that we think we need to fit in versus people that, uh, you know, think we should rebel and, and throw bricks and, and, you know, reject those ideas and fight back. And it's interesting how that comes up so often um, in, in, you know, in everything we do, including media like this. Yeah. And and personally for me, like when I was a teenager, I also was like, Oh, that's all, you know, uh, nobody should be painting their nails uh, or like changing their hair color, piercing their ears. Like let's all just be, you know, quote unquote normal. Yeah. Same, same. (laughs) And now that's, you know, not me at all. But I, uh, I, I also think that, like, for me personally, I think that you need both. I, I think that you need the people who are going to be, you know, sort of happy being uh, cis, uh, gender conforming, quote unquote, normal people. And you need the outliers. You need the rebels. 
and fortunately, I don't think we have to do anything to make that happen. Like, I, th- I think that we just we exist on a spectrum of types of people. And there are people who are those rebels just naturally. And there are people who are, you know, sort of happy being monogamous with a white picket fence just naturally. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, no, I, 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 I totally agree, especially when you look at, you know, whether we like it or not, straight people have the power. And and we we definitely need to, I think, be strategic about how we move the needle with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and this is a debate that's been happening, like like Kyle sort of alluded to since the 1950s. I think about the Deviants War and Frank Kameny and making everybody show up in suits and ties in the sweltering heat to pick it because he, he wanted everybody to look, you know, palatable. Right. But there's utility in that. There really there really is. And, I, and I, I agree with you. You need both. You need you need both to be successful. And I always think of uh, uh, David Foster Wallace has a has an essay where uh, where he's talking about the OED and like why the OED is important uh, and why like grammar is important. Um, Mm. And 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 there's an argument that like we should be able to break grammar rules and they don't the grammar rules, for example, don't reflect. uh, I don't remember the the. I, I don't remember the term that we call it now, but like black urban English mm. Uh, mm. or Southern mm. English or, you know, uh, uh, the pidgin English uh, uh, of like Louisiana or whatnot. But it is important when you're sort of interacting with people who do have the power to engage them on their own field. Uh, mm. And it's it's unfortunate that we have to do that in a perfect world. We wouldn't. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I think that we all. To bring it back to, to to queerness, I think that we all code switch a little bit. And my my problem is always that in a lot of our media, we are creating this media for ourselves to be consumed almost exclusively by gay people. But we make it as if we're a, a, as if our parents are going to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. I, I don't think that I don't think that winds up being healthy for us. I think that 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 makes it so that our. Uh, we're we're no longer code switching then like that then just becomes our default uh, if that's the only media that we consume and what also ends up happening is a lot of times the so if we have a femme character in one of these movies they wind up being sort of the like there's the trope in in straight movies of sort of the magical homo right Mm -hmm. who like comes in helps the straight people find love that they are never allowed to have themselves yeah and in gay movies that still happens it's just that now that's the femme character or that's the black character or that's the old character uh or it's the you know non-standard standards of beauty character yeah um or or all four potentially yeah yeah and what i wanted to do sorry uh what i wanted to do is i wanted to end this whole spiel on uh, a helpful a hopeful note because uh, it doesn't have to be like this. And uh, we've been getting a lot of movies recently that are not like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Fire Island, which I, I watched yesterday, uh, came out. I think it came out on Friday. Uh, but anyway, it's, you know, it features a, a, a wide variety of uh, body types and of like and and of people. It's fine. like as a movie it's perfectly serviceable it's not that funny uh it's not that good but like i watch we all watch me like a lot of media that is just okay Mm -hmm. and why not you know make it this queer one 
that's mm-hmm. just okay. That's true. I, yeah, I watch a lot of mediocre TV shows that I know are just mediocre, yeah. uh, but they're just there to enjoy and do something. And and yeah, that gave me an option for mediocre. I watched all of Love is Blind recently. Why did I do that? Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a terrible decision. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I have watched Real Housewives in the past. Like, uh, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> We're allowed to watch gay medium quality things. Yeah. Uh, and like uh, Bros is coming out soon, uh, that Billy mm. Eichner movie. I'm very excited about that. Uh, we'll, we'll see if it disappoints me, but <laughs> so far it's looking good. I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah. And we've also been getting a lot of like, we've been getting more and more gay genre movies. So movies that are unabashedly queer, um, but where it's not like a romance or a coming of age movie. So we've got things like Knife Plus Heart, uh, Death Drop Gorgeous, Stranger by the Lake, and uh, like we're we've been getting gay Hallmark style Christmas movies that yeah. <laughs> are not to my tastes, but some of them are, I liked single all the way. Yeah, wasn't that on, was that on the Hallmark Channel or was that Netflix? That one was on Netflix. Yeah, okay. Hallmark Channel was I believe I think the only one that they did was Happiest Season, yeah. uh, which yeah. I did not care for. Okay, <laughs> that's the Kristen Stewart one, right? Kristen Stewart winds up with her conservative like Republican girlfriend instead of aubrey plaza who rocks and who the whole movie is like yeah i'm cool uh i don't need to (laughs) pretend to be straight so that my fucking homophobic dad can uh win his mayorship uh Mm. and then at the end uh kristen stewart's girlfriend is like i talked to them and now you're gonna be allowed to be in our family picture and she's like oh thank you for that crumb I'm, I, oh I'm so happy to be vaguely accepted. Wow. <laughs> sorry, I have a, so I have a we, lot of opinions. Yeah, so, no, yeah. we were leaving on an uplifting note. So <laughs> oh, you, sorry, yeah, you yeah. need to keep talking to get there. Okay, all right. Uh, and then, uh, but we're also getting like new and interesting, even coming of age movies. So like we've got uh, the that new uh, Troy Sivan movie, uh, Three Months. Mm-hmm. That one is, I thought, super good. It's uh, telling a story that, we haven't heard as much, especially lately, and uh, especially told through this lens. Um, hmm. It's uh, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, Troy Sivan plays a, a teenager in, I think, Florida, uh, who finds out that he has been exposed to HIV and he has to wait three months before he can, you know, get his he's in that window. Yeah. And it's it's sort of him coming to grips with it, but it's it's him coming to grips with it in a in a not at all hopeless way. Uh, that I think a lot of movies that we've seen in the past have had. Like, there are a couple of, like, gay movies that are from the 80s where somebody gets HIV and then, like, they're dead in the next scene. Yeah. Um, And and where we're shown that, like, HIV is the the worst possible thing that can happen to a person instead of, you know, especially at this point in our lives, a a very manageable condition. Yeah. And uh, we can do our part to support gay creators. So not indiscriminately, of course, I'm going to advocate that nobody go out and watch Coming Out Colton. We don't need to. (laughs) But like, as I say, we watch a lot of mediocre content often. If If we see something gay and it's on streaming, it's free for us. Put it on. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't be. If it's not, you can turn it off. If it is, then you should, if it's, you know, if it's one of those movies that is a good gay movie, if it's good for gay people, 
tell other gay people about it. Yeah. And even better, if it's a movie that like you think your straight friends might exist, might, might uh, enjoy if you have straight friends, mm-hmm. uh, tell them. So like uh, Knife Plus Heart is legitimately an amazing movie. It's this like French giallo movie about a serial killer who's stalking a gay porn set. Uh, and he's got like a he's got a dildo knife. Uh, it's so 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 good, and it's really wacky and like uh, pretty weird. At some point, the, uh, the the main character meets somebody who has like a like a dinosaur hand. But it's I don't know. It's 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 truly enjoyable. You had me um, a dildo knife, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of queer content that you can be consuming and that costs you nothing to do. Yeah. And the worst thing that happens is you turn it off and you go back to love is bl- love is blind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally rate review, rub, scribe and recommend everybody. That's, 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 that's what we need at a, at a good, at a good queer cinema. It's, it's, uh, so should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. break. <laughs> this is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Man, that was a good movie. Are we back? We're back. <laughs> We're back. We're going to release the straightest, but first, Chris Hagee, where can people find out more about you, what you're up to? Your, tell us all the things. Yeah, so, uh, well, I'm, my name is Chris Hagee. Hi. Uh, I, <laughs> um, you can find me at a variety of places. Uh, I, I am on Twitter and kind of Instagram at Lighter Fandango on both of those, L-I-G-H-T-E-R, Fandango, like the movie site. Mm-hmm. You can find my podcast, We Read Movies, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, And also, if you are in the Seattle area, on Tuesdays, I host trivia at Madison Pub. Mm -hmm. It is, you know what? I'm going to say it. It's the best trivia night in Seattle. You know what? Mm -hmm. I'll say it for you. I I love going to trivia nights, and yours is my favorite. So, Well, that feels excellent to hear. Thank you. <laughs> well, our website is gayishpodcast.com. We are on socials at Gayish Podcast. Uh, our hotline, you can leave us text messages or leave us voicemails, especially if they're questions for mom for mom's planning. It's 585-GAYISH. It's 585-542-5855 Gayish. Oh my god, I fucked it up. I think that's the first time I ever fucked I it thought up. It cu- I thought the internet cut out because <laughs> that was like so weird. Okay. 5855-Gayish. 585-542-9474 standard rate supply. Our email is gayishpodcast at mail.com because we're just yeah. leaving out random things here and there at <laughs> gmail.com. And our physical mailing address is post office box 19882 Seattle, Washington 98109. Uh, Two points of personal privilege here. The first, happy 40th birthday to my baby brother, Murph. Murph, who's been Aww. on the show several times and is, you know, a, a, he's one of the best straight people I know in terms of, like, actual allyship. And like, He's a he's, man now. I'm not going to yeah. tell Eric you said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, uh, yeah. Happy, happy birthday, Murph. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, second, I'm going to do my local gay bar review segment. So oh, wait, before we do that, another uh, th- remember that we are doing a happy hour oh, on yeah. a date uh, near the end Thursday, of Thursday, the- Thursday, June the 23rd yeah. at 6 p.m. Pacific time. We are having a happy hour for pride. Uh, we'll be sending a zoom link out to all of the places. Come join us and have 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 a cocktail, whether there's booze in it or not. Yeah, we should um, do like a Facebook invite or something for that. So find that on our Facebook page. That's real smart. I'll do that. 
local gay bar review. So I, I, I said it a million times. But I'll say it again. I'm traveling a fuck ton for work and I've committed to visiting at least one gay bar in all of these random ass places across the world as I go and doing a quick review. Um, so this last week I was in Washington, D.C. and I went to Pitcher's. Pitchers is a bar mm-hmm. in the district. It is like Adams Morgan ish, but also kind of DuPont Circle. Um, but it is it is uh, uh, it's a adorable place. I really enjoyed it. This it feels like multiple bars happening in the same place. There are literal multiple bars in that like like they have lots of different places that you can walk up and order a drink. But it's on four different stories, sort of, and. Um, there's a like a restaurant part down downstairs and then upstairs there's this area that has like video games at tables like like hmm. permanently there so you can just like well, i'm pick, sold pick, yeah <laughs> pick, pick, pick up a controller and start playing there's like a sports bar t- big tvs kind of area a couple of big patios that are outdoors and lesbians in the basement and I, <laughs> I, i'm where not they kidding. belong I, I, i'm not kidding they have a a, a bar catering to uh, female and, and femme uh, presenting folks in 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 the basement and um, lesbians go down right yeah yeah i i, I really i really enjoyed Unlike this gay bar men who historically have never gone down right <laughs> <laughs> uh check it out it's pictures in dc it was fun did you um, see aaron shock there no Mm. that's probably for the best but it was also like a thursday so you expected him to be instead ass up at steamworks right exactly i hear i'm sure that's where he was yeah yeah um okay let's do well you know even biggest just the hypocrisy tame we can shame that slut yeah Uh, we're going to do our gays so straight is sponsored by spaces spaces, a new group chat app for niche queer communities by Hornet. Um, Kyle, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, my gayest is the adorable ramekin of Greek yogurt that I make for my, myself most mornings. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one, the ramekin itself is like kind of cute and stuff. And I uh, got put in some Greek yogurt and blueberries and some, uh nuts on top and it just looks like a you know it just looks like real pretty when i eat it Mm -hmm. the uh straightest thing is the course of researching for this episode and not knowing most of these movies and feeling (laughs) like i am such a bad gay for not knowing any of these uh yeah you're not a bad gay for that (laughs) thank you <laughs> the, yeah, agreed. There's there's something vaguely homoerotic about the phrase Greek yogurt. I think. Oh, um, just yeah, because Greek is historically gay, and yogurt sounds like jizz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Chris breaking things down. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs subtext after all? Um, uh, when you can just have text. Mike, what about you? Uh, the straightest thing about me this week is uh, I went home for my brother's 40th birthday and I just, it was a quick trip. So I packed super duper light. I just put everything I needed into my glasses case, my, my, my pills and my contact solution. End of list. And poppers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that you didn't bring like a shirt or something? No, nothing. N- no, nothing. Just. Wow. Just my medications and my glasses, and that that was it. Um, and then the gayest thing about me this week, I was I was at this party for my brother's birthday. It was also their um, 
uh, he and, and, and Gina just got married in February, but they waited to have their reception. So it was a combo wedding reception and then my brother's 40th birthday. And, um, after the whole thing, I stayed at my mom's house last night, got up this morning and we were having breakfast. And I was talking about this boy that I saw running around with, um, my now, I guess, niece in law. No. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and I just, my gaydar is the gayest thing about me. I was like, who is that boy? And does he know that he's not totally straight? And <laughs> to which my mom replied, oh, yeah, he's gay. And out. I was like, oh, oh I, in oh. Tri-Cities, Washington? Great. Okay, neat. Um, oh. But yeah, I was, like I was. Your dick didn't have to be the one to tell him. I was dead on accurate about him him being being a mo. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, how about you, Chris Hagee? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I mentioned it before, but I am have been hosting trivia at Madison Pub, which is a gay sports bar, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not. There's plenty of non-sports there, but there's also, <laughs> in Seattle, it is the gayest, sportsiest place that exists. Yeah. Uh, so as a result, uh, I have asked more sports questions at trivia mm. in the last month than I have ever asked in the history, <laughs> just in all told in the 12 years that I've been hosting trivia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mostly just because I had a rule uh, that I didn't ask sports questions before. Yeah, yeah. And then the gayest thing about me is that I took an edible two nights ago mm-hmm. and choreographed a dance to... Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush because it was on Stranger Things. Yeah. And it just, you know, reminded me how much I love Kate Bush. Yeah. Can you do it uh, for us now? (laughs) (laughs) Give me an edible and we'll see. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That was what I, uh, my boyfriend was, uh, was uh, watching Drag Race at a friend's house. And so I just uh, got stoned and, did some Kate Bush choreography. Nice. Nice. Oh, oh you're doing it now. Ooh. Uh, uh, well, I didn't know you could do two backflips in a row. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that kickflip. <laughs> Good Lord. Here's the weird thing is that I can't do one backflip, but I can do two. <laughs> you can do two. <laughs> yeah. Zero or two. Mm-hmm. That's my rule about sex. <laughs> wow. wow. Uh, well, Chris Aggie from the We Read Movies podcast, thank you so much for being with us today and, and sharing your, your pearls of wisdom about cinema. I thought we cut that part out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Part of the choreograph. Um, Thank you to Spaces for sponsoring us. They uh, posted about us and other of their spaces that they were featuring uh, on like Instagram and shit. So, you know, it's it's nice to feel loved and wanted. So thanks, Spaces, for sponsoring us and posting about us. And we're one of the biggest things on Spaces. So so go check out our space. Yeah. Uh, thank you also to our super gap bridgers, Yo, Stosel, Harry Shaw, Josh Copeland, Forrest Snow, Patrick Martin, Anonymous, James Barrow, Steve L- Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Christopher Farrell, Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Tipsy McStumbles, Donald Linsky, Thomas B. Dusty Sands, A. E. Coleman, Chris Catchtorian, Jerome York, and Cian and Javi. Thank you and happy pride, especially to them. Yeah, that is it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Ketchatorian Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Uh, Brokeback is one of them, but I think at this point, most people have come around to like, that movie's fine. Uh, it was it was groundbreaking, but it yeah. wasn't 
good. My favorite part of that movie is when Heath Ledger, uh, when they're about to have sex for the first time and he licks his hand and like, that's going to be enough. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> for a virgin. Right? Yeah. 